Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. If you've had kids at your home, you know that you have to watch them really close because if you leave the room and it gets quiet, there's trouble happening. Why? Because kids Kids don't know how to regulate themselves, and so they'll follow every impulse and every whim that, that comes into their mind. Uh, I remember so vividly, I was in high school, and my sister and her uh, sons were visiting us, so my nephews, right? And so uh, I hear something in the middle of the night, and so I get up, and I'm, I'm like just cruising in my house, and I go in the kitchen, and my three-year-old little nephew has pulled up a chair to the counter. And he's, and he's standing on the chair so he could reach the counter. He's got an orange and the biggest knife we had. And I caught him as he was about ready to try to cut the orange. And I was like, hey, he about jumped out of his skin because he did not expect Uncle Jim to be right behind him in this moment. But for some reason, he was sleeping, woke up and said, I feel like having an orange right now, so I'm going to go up and make one. I've never made one before, but I've watched mom do it, so I know I have, a, have to have a knife. There's a knife, and so it's just crazy. But see, part of being immature is not knowing how to regulate those impulses and those desires that just come upon you, and, and a kid needs a parent to be able to help regulate them so that the kid stays safe. You know, when Josiah, my son, who's 18 now, when he was a little guy, he was probably three or four, and we were in a parking lot, and he just wanted to take off. You know, I, I don't know where we were going, but I think we were going to go somewhere where there were toys. And so he wanted to take off into the store, not realizing that he was in a parking lot, and there were cars backing out and people driving fast. And, and so I said, no, Joe, you have to come here. You got to hold my hand. You got to hold daddy's hand. 
And he said, I don't want to hold your hand. I said, no, you have to hold somebody's hand because this is dangerous and you got to make sure that you don't just take off because the car can't see you. So it's hard to explain things to toddlers. And so Josiah, as brilliant as he is, he says, well, then I'll hold my own hand. And he held his own hand and he tried to go to the store holding his own hand. I said, it doesn't work like that. See, that's a sign of immaturity. We're in a book study. The book of James is a book of the Bible, if you're not real familiar with it. It's a study about how to become spiritually mature. And a lot of people, they were raised up in church and, and, and they've been coming to church all of their life, but they haven't really seen God do everything in their life that they feel he should be doing in their life. So there's this thing of, like, just because you're growing older doesn't mean you're growing more mature. You can, you can uh, growing older is mandatory, growing up is optional. Growing mature is optional. That's the, the whole idea. So uh, I'm glad you joined us. If you have your Bibles, uh, get them out. And we're going to be in the book of James, obviously, chapter 1. And last week we, we talked about trials. And for those of you that are new, thank you for trying a new church uh, we are only four months old, and I am so honored that you guys uh, decided to, to come and, and try us out, and uh, thank you for being our guest. Today's a special day because we're doing start class. We don't always do that, and we're trying it out in the back of the, the room here in the conference center, and I was all excited, and, and this is just our way of uh, being able to allow you to get to know us and for us to get to know you better. And then somebody told me, hey, the Rams game is on at 1240. I said, this is going to be the quickest start class I've ever done in my life because uh, we have some friends that are part of the coaching staff there and they, they attend Atmosphere. So we have uh, uh, invested interest right into uh, watching that game and and to pray for the Rams to win. All right. I know they're playing the Saints, but that's irrelevant when it comes to football, all right? So all that to say, uh, last week we talked about trials. And here's something that you don't need a pastor to tell you. Everybody has problems. And so last week, it was a message that everybody could relate to because we talked about how problems have a way of coming into our life and how God has the answer for how we are to navigate through the problem that we're presented and how he will always use our problems to process spiritual maturity in our life. And this week we're talking about temptation. And just like last week, we talked about everybody has problems. Here's another truth. Everybody has temptations. Now we might not share the same temptations, but we are going to have whims. We're going to have impulses. We're going to have desires that come into our lives that are there to sidetrack us and to pull us away from what God ultimately wants to do and develop inside of us. They're desires that carry us away. And so the book of James is talking about this idea of temptation because if you want to be fully mature as a follower of Jesus, you need to learn how you resist the temptations. You need to learn how you don't follow every desire, every whim that comes over your life. That there needs to be some kind of a self-regulation that takes place that, that says, even though I have a desire to do this, I know if I give in to this, this will pull me away from who 
God wants me to become as a human being. So I'm going to pray. We're going to get into James chapter 1. Father, I thank you so much for this series. And I know even though this was a letter written to believers many, many years ago, there's so much for us now in 2019. And I pray, God, that whatever maybe place we're at spiritually, what maybe we've been coming to church all of our lives, or maybe this is the first time we've ever been to church, I pray that you would use this message to speak into our soul and, and to ignite something in our spirit so that we can be who ultimately you've called us to be in this world. And we thank you in advance for how you're going to accomplish that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Now, James chapter 1, uh, I'm going to read to you uh, verses uh, 13 through 17. It says, uh, and remember, when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires. And they entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So James is trying to talk to us about where temptation comes from. And they had a belief system that I think a lot of us still believe today. That just because I have a desire inside of me, that maybe this is how God just made me. I'm supposed to be this way. The reason I have this impulse, the, the reason I, I, I have this, uh, this whim is because I've been created by God to have this desire. And so what James is saying is that, hey, that's not true. God would not create desires inside of you that would try to pull you away from a relationship with him. That doesn't make any sense. So he says, what you need to understand is that God is a good God. And he's not going to give you a desire that is going to try to pull you away from his goodness. And so you need to understand those desires, those things that are tempting you to try to pull you off course, those are not from God. Those are from the broken internal emotions and desires that are there that are not right with God. And so you have to understand and separate what is from God and what is from yourself. And what is from yourself is broken and needs God. And so don't accuse God of creating you with these desires. You need God and his goodness to help you overcome those desires. Does that make sense, church? This is what he's talking about. Now let's fast forward to chapter 4. Now this is chapter 4 for us, but for them, this is a letter being, being read to the early church. They're discouraged. They've been displaced. They are running for their lives. They are being persecuted because they believe in Jesus and they're following Jesus. And so they're, they're a people group that are kind of just like bummed out. And now there's all kinds of temptations in that space. And so we're reading chapter four. They're continuing the letter and check out what he says in verse one. They're having problems. It says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the the selfish, evil desires that are at war within you. 
So there were problems going on in their relationships with each other. And he says, hey, time out. The reason we're having relational difficulties is because there are desires that are being ignited inside of us that's causing the conflicts. And if you think about your own relational conflicts, a lot of times the relational conflicts of our lives happen because of something internal that is taking place inside of us. We don't like what they're doing. We don't like what somebody said. And it creates anger, creates these emotions and these emotions without really going through a process of checks and balances can get out of control. Then we lash out on somebody. We blow up on somebody. We ignore somebody. We act like a four-year-old. And now all of a sudden we have a conflict. And like, why are we having conflicts? Well, because there are desires inside of us that are broken. And because those desires inside of us are broken, it's creating brokenness in our relationships. So James is trying to get to the point of saying, we have to overcome these whims and impulses that are trying to pull us off course and keep us from becoming the spiritually mature men and women of God that we're supposed to become. And so what I want to do this morning, church, is I want to give you three distinct ways that really I've learned, not just biblically, but I've learned in my own experiences being a follower of Christ that really positions you to overcome the temptations that are going to find their way into your life. Now, again, our temptations may be different, but everybody here is going to be tempted at some point in their lives. Jesus was tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. I mean, Jesus went out to the wilderness. We talked a little bit about that last week. And in the wilderness, he was being tempted by the devil, and the devil was there, and, and he was giving him these different things to, to look at and to possibly do. In the book of First John, he says uh, there are three distinct plays that the devil uses when it comes to temptation. He calls it the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And the devil gets involved with our spiritual development as men and women of God. And he uses this playbook on our desires. And the lust of the eyes are those things that kind of we see that entice us. It's it's the things that we're just like, okay, I have a visual of what that thing could do for my life, and, and we feel it. You can feel it drawing you away from a, a life with God. That's the lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh are those things that kind of like you crave internally and are just like, ah, oh, I've just, I gotta satisfy this thing. This is like an internal kind of kind of pleasing. I just gotta take care of this urge that I have internally, and Jesus was faced with that. And then there is the pride of life. I think this is more of the possessions. This is more of the popularity. This is more of the prestige. You know, how many followers do I, I have? And I need more followers, and I, and I need that title, and, 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 I, and I need that power over other people. And this kind of dominates some people to where it carries them away from being fully developed as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus. So it's incredibly important that we learn even how Jesus handled the space of being tempted because everybody's tempted. And if Jesus was able to overcome temptation, we ought to pay attention to some of the things that he did in order to overcome temptation so that we may be able to apply to our life. Now, before I get into these uh, PowerPoints, 
I want to go back a minute and talk about what James is saying because uh, I don't know, Jeremiah, can I take you out of um, place and go back to first, uh, James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15? He talks about this idea that these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. One of the saddest moments as a pastor, and I've been a pastor for over 20 years, one of the saddest moments is a friend of mine uh, and his wife were having their first baby. And uh, she was in, involved in an auto accident about a month before the baby was due. And the auto accident uh, kind of injured her, and she went into the hospital. The doctor didn't catch it. And three days later, uh, she stopped feeling the baby move. And so she went back into the doctor's office uh, after the weekend, and they couldn't find a heartbeat. So the baby had died inside of her right before she was to give birth. And we were told this news, and it just devastated us, I mean, on so many levels. And, and so we just started praying. We were praying for a miracle. We were praying for God to resurrect this little baby in, inside of our friend's uh, womb. And, and we were just fasting and praying and, and just asking God for this miracle. And, and the miracle didn't come. And it came time and she gave birth to this babe, beautiful baby girl. And she was so beautiful and perfect, but, but her life was gone. And, you know, the, um, uh, the couple came out, they were holding her, and of course they were followers of Jesus, so, so they had a different perspective on this, that they, even though this is a tragic event, they knew that their baby girl was alive with Christ, and, and so they were just holding this earth suited, this little newborn baby. And I just began weeping like I've never wept before as a pastor. So sad. Even though we have the hope of heaven, it doesn't erase the sadness of that moment. And, and I honestly later thought of the scripture in James chapter 1, I, and I started thinking, like, you know, when we have these desires and impulses and these whims that, hey, I'm going to go do this, and this is going to make me feel good, and we pursue it with everything we have, and we finally get it, and we have it, but then it doesn't produce anything that it was promising it would produce inside of our heads at the time that we were being tempted to do it. And then when we get to the other end, and, and, and it just, everything that we thought it would bring us is the opposite. And now we're, we're holding on to this dead thing that, that was full of all these promises, but they're dead promises and it's not alive. And it, it, that, that is kind of what James is expressing here. When we just fully give ourselves over to every whim, every desire, every temptation, it, it, it's growing something different inside of us. It's not growing us towards spiritual maturity. It's growing us towards death. It's bringing death into our life. This, this promise that it was going to bring all this fulfillment, it actually does the opposite of that. So James has given us a harsh warning like, hey, even though it, it seems attractive, even though it seems sexy, even though it's just like you've got to do this, I'm telling you, he says, in the end, it's going to upset you because it's going to bring death instead of life. And that's what sin always does. It always brings death instead of life. And this is why this is such an important topic to talk about because maybe the one thing that is keeping you from reaching spiritual maturity in your own relationship with God is the fact that you have not been able to overcome the temptations that continue to plague your life. And, and the reality is they're not going to stop. Even, see, some people believe that, hey, once I accept Christ in my life, 
He's going to like fill me with the power and I'm never going to be tempted again. No, on the contrary. Sometimes the temptations get ramped up. But see, what he's done is he's given you his spirit to live in you so that you could have the power to overcome the temptations. When, As before, your flesh was in charge of your life. Now, because the spirit of God lives in you, the spirit of God is in charge of your life. And so before you couldn't resist a temptation, but now you can. But it's foolish to think that now that you're following Jesus, that you're not going to have any more temptations. Look at what it says in Colossians here. If I can skip over there. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. In other words, what, what this scripture in Colossians is telling us is that because Christ is living in us, there's, there's a new self involved. Another letter that was written to the church, it says, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. So there's this newness inside of you that you're supposed to lay down those old desires or those old impulses that were pulling you away from God that you used to just freely give yourself over to. And now God is saying, hey, the reason... I've told you not to give yourself out of this impulses, not because I'm sitting here, I, I just love controlling your life. No, like a good parent, he's saying, those things that I've told you to abstain from, those things that I've told you to stay away from, those things are actually there to hurt your life. I'm simply telling you to avoid these things, protect you, protect you from conflicts in your relationships, protect your health, protect your well-being, to protect your, your, uh, the renewing of your mind, because all of those things could be dangerous and damaging if you just continue to give yourself over to those things. He's a good parent. I've said this for years, even when I was doing youth ministry, that when God wrote the commandments, even in the Old Testament, these were written commandments because God is saying, hey, if you give yourself over to these things and you don't build in a, a regulation to your own life, your life is going to end. It's, you're you're going to die. And when you build these things into your life, you're actually giving yourself the ability to live more life. So I tell people, whenever you read in the Bible where God says, don't do this, what he's really saying, how we can really interpret it is don't hurt yourself. Avoid doing these things. Because in the end, if you give yourself over to these things consistently, it's going to kill you. And unfortunately, I've done too many funerals of 20-year-old young people that thought they had the rest of their lives to live, but they could not get this down. They could not understand that they needed to create boundaries, healthy boundaries in their life and abstain from just following their every whim or every desire because those whims and those desires that they continued to give themselves over to ended up costing them their lives. I know about six people that I can think of right now that would still be alive today 
if they had learned how to master this and to overcome the temptations that everybody on this planet is facing because of the world and the system that we're unfortunately living in. So how do you overcome temptation? Let me give you these three. And again, these are biblical, but it's also uh, practical. All right, so number one is submit to God. And it sounds kind of, you know, generic, but even James says it this way. He says in James chapter four, he says, he says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, your hearts, you double-minded. I, I want to mention a couple things. The word submit there is a military term. It, it's a term that means that you are to take your proper position in alignment with the command uh, of the officers that are in your group or in your platoon. In other words, when you come into a relationship with God, the proper thing to do is to put God in his proper place to be your commander, to be your captain. Because see, what I've discovered over all of these years as a Christian is a lot of people accept Jesus, but they never make him the commander of their lives. They stop short of it. I know I did for the first five years of my existence as a Christian. I accepted Jesus. I said, yeah, I don't want to go to hell when I die. And yeah, I want to be forgiven of my sin. But nobody ever really sat down and really explained to me that a relationship with God is much more than just you going to heaven. They never explained to me that a relationship with God is also about heaven coming to you and living completely differently, completely radically, completely in a sense that God wants to pour his spirit over you daily to guide you and lead your life. But that comes, or, or what, what comes with that is a decision to say, Jesus is my commander. He's my captain. Oh, captain, my captain, right? That, that's the idea. See, that's why I don't like the, the term Christian. It's, it's too generic for me. I love follower of Jesus. Love that. Why? Because it, it really describes what it is that we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be following Jesus, and he's supposed to be our leader. Christian is real generic. You ask a majority of Americans today, are they Christian? And they'll say yes. Because to them, being a Christian is showing up to church on Sunday. Listen, what Jesus intended was never just a once-a-week practice. What Jesus intended for the church to be was an interactive daily relationship where God is giving you the commands, where God is giving you the script of, hey, this is what I have for you. Here's your punch list for the day. And how many times we get up and we just kind of live our lives and we're like, okay, this is my day. I'm going to do all of this. This is the majority of the church, how they're living their life in Jesus. They're telling Jesus what they're doing instead of going to Jesus and say, Jesus, what would you want me to do? When I made a decision that I'm going to live my life like that, crazy stuff, good stuff started happening for my life. I started hearing God speak to me saying, hey, this is my assignment for your day today. I, I want you to contact this person. And I didn't know, so I called him and said, hey, man, I was praying. I just felt led to call you. I'm so glad you did, man. I'm struggling today. Would you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, I just heard God. One day, this is going to date me, but one day I was, 
I was praying, and God says, give your boom box away. Remember boom boxes? Come on. How many had one that you're like, you're like yeah, come on. I had a boom box, and I love my boom box. I mean, it had the lights that did all the stuff in the front. And I was praying, and the Lord said, I want you to give your boom box away today. I was like, that can't be God. Why would God want me to give a boom box away? But I felt led, like God wanted me to go to the Christian bookstore. He says, go there with the boom box, and you'll know who you're supposed to give it to. So I went down there just going, am I just hearing things? Did I, did I eat too many cocoa puffs for breakfast? Like, what is this that I'm hearing? Because I think it's God. And so I went to the bookstore, and these guys came in that we had done ministry with the night before, really rough street ministry guys that came up to us and, and were more ministering to us, and we were ministering to them. And the Lord's like, those are the guys that are supposed to have your boombox. I was like, man, that was God. God wants a personal relationship with you where he's interacting with you daily. He's talking to you about how to have that better marriage. He's talking to you about how to talk to those kids. He's talking to you about how to make that, that deal for your job. He's talking to you about how you can minister to your neighbor. See, so many of us are focused on what God wants to do with our lives that we're forgetting what God wants to do for our day. There's something that God wants for your day. And then as you are obedient and you put him as the captain for your day, guess what? Enough of those days combined together, you will eventually experience what you're supposed to have for your life. The will of, you don't have to go hunting for the will of God. The will of God will find you as you continue daily to follow Jesus. But there has to be this place that you come to where you say, Jesus, you're not just a part of my life. You're the leader of my life. You're not just part of something that I do along with all of these other things that I'm doing. And we're so good at that as Americans. We're going to fit one more thing in there. Have you been noticing when you go to a street, like a, a, a red light now? Next time you're at a red light, look around at all the other drivers. We have learned now to fill in our time at the red lights with our phones. One more thing I can get done. We're so busy and preoccupied that God has given us commands. And it's not that, you know, um, he's not giving us commands. It's just that we're not hearing them. We're not hearing them. There, there may be a miracle that he wants to do through you for somebody else. But in order for you to do that, you've got to submit to him. You've got to let him be your commander. You've got to submit to God. See, so much of the church is like, resist the devil. Hey, Beat that temptation, just resist the devil, and eventually the devil will leave. He left Jesus alone. But see, before Jesus resisted the devil, Jesus had submitted himself to God. I know he was God. It's a complex theological uh, conversation we can have. But Jesus, in his earthly form, submitted himself to God. He prepared for the fight that he was going to have in his temptations by already being Submitted to God. So it's not just about resisting the devil. Uh, a lot of us have this backwards. And it's uh, another comment that I wrote down on my notes about being double-minded. Scotty and I were talking about this, the idea of too many minds. I think that's our big problem now. But double-minded is simply saying, hey, I've got one foot in the world and one foot serving the Lord. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the old Chinese proverb? He who has his foot in uh, two different boats will split his pants. You know, it's just like, 
truthful proverb right there. <laughs> but it's like, it's like, how do we expect to be fully mature if, if we're, we're trying to make ways with our relationship with God, but we're also trying to make ways in, in this other secular part of our life? There's no, there's no double-mindedness when you have Jesus as the captain because he's in charge. You're not in charge. So it's easier to say no to sin because you know it's going to be offensive to your commander. Does that make sense, church? So submit to God. It's important. Okay, number two is feed the Spirit. Galatians 5, feed the Spirit. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh, for the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. There's a war going on inside of you because now the Spirit of God is taking up residence to take up the place of, of empowerment. But the flesh is still there. And as long as you are in this earth suit and as you're living in this flesh, there is going to be a daily battle that takes place. But what Galatians is saying, hey, that fight is real. But if you empower the Spirit of God in your life, the Spirit of God is going to win the fight. So whoever you feed is going to win the wrestling match. Whoever you're, you're keeping fit, whoever you are keeping healthy, that is the one that is going to win the wrestling match. It's, he's going to be the champion. And so you just got to think about every day that you're living, you're feeding either your flesh or the Spirit. You're making a decision. If you get up in the morning and you hit the devotions and you're like, I'm going to read the, the word today. I'm going to put on some worship music today. I, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, call some friends today. I'm going to circle up. We're going to do a Bible study. We're going to do a life group. All of those things, what they're doing is they're feeding the spirit. So guess what? The temptation comes. You're like, oh, there it is. I knew it was coming. But now that spirit man inside of you, the spirit woman inside of you is so fed and so well taken care of. I mean, that temptation doesn't stand a chance. The temptation is tapping out before it even has a time and a chance to resonate in your thoughts. Because the Spirit of God is so strong inside of you. But the opposite is true too. If you feed your flesh, you just give yourself over to all of these things and you could feed your flesh in all kinds of different ways. I mean, you know, we could sit here for a good hour, whether it's, you know, just zoning out and hitting a movie or you know, hitting some music or going to certain environments. And we know that, hey, that's something about that environment, something about that entertainment is feeding something inside of me that I know is pulling me away from God. You can, you can just feel yourself slipping away. And, and so when you're feeding yourself with this stuff and the temptation comes, guess what? The spirit inside of you is so weak and is so just, beaten down, that it's so much easier to give yourself over to that other temptation. Because you just feel like, I don't have anything inside me to resist. Because that spirit is weak. We've got to be intentional, church. You've got to feed the spirit. You've got to figure this out. Now, how we do it at Atmosphere is really three main ways. The gatherings like this, gatherings at Life Group. If you haven't signed up for a Life Group yet, Jennifer's going to be out there with her iPad after service. If you're not really technology savvy, you can see her. She'll get you logged in. There's still a couple of Jeff and Kathy, I think, have a few extra spots. I think 
uh, Jennifer and Brent have maybe one or two spots left. So uh, 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 Phil and Ellen, you guys have a couple spots left. So there is room for you to still be a part of this. But when you gather, even like a life group, what you're doing, you're feeding your spirit. You guys are talking about the word of God. You're praying for each other. You're encouraging each other. But, but besides gatherings, we also do it through worship. And not just worship here, which, by the way, Allie, you guys, we've never heard her lead worship, but she's our main worship person in, in Bakersfield, and they shared her with us today. So give some props to Bakersfield Church, BBF, and for Allie, who is on Spotify now with her own music. It's really good, by the way. Um, but worship music. I have a playlist on Spotify. If you don't uh, have, like, you, you don't know where to start, and what, what's worship music? Go uh, hit me up on social media. I will send you the Spotify link. But, but having a diet of worship, feeding that. The other third way that we do this is through devotions. And, and we want you in the word every day. Because the more that you're filled up with the word, the more you are empowering to resist any temptation that comes along the way. Here's the reality check. The number one thing that Jesus did to beat the temptations that he was facing was the word of God. And when the devil came after him, he came after the devil with the word of God. But ironically, the devil came after him a couple times with the word of God. But Jesus knew the word of God so well, he was able to tell the devil, hey, what you just said there was from the word of God, but you took it out of context. See, it's a bad issue when the devil knows more about the word of God than you do. You're setting yourself up for trouble. So Jesus was prepared for that because he was in the word and the word was in him and he had a steady diet of it. See, devotions in the morning are super important because not only are you feeding your spirit, but you are empowering yourself to know the tricks that the devil is going to play on you and, and God's answer and God's remedy uh, through every situation through every doctrinal statement that you're reading in, in Scripture. One of the Scriptures that set me free from about three different things that were really, you know, uh, keeping me in bondage as a Christian and keeping me from growing as a Christian was First John chapter 4, verse 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I, I committed that Scripture to memory. And the reason I did is because I took note of what Jesus did. Jesus gave the word out of his mind. He just like, boom. He just had it committed to memory. He didn't have the scroll that he took out and said, let me find that. I, I think that verse is here somewhere. No, when the devil came after him, he already had it committed to memory and he was able to pull it up and give it back out. And so I thought, well, if I'm to beat these things that are coming against my life, I need to commit some verses to memory. So one of the first verses I committed to memory was 1 John 4, verse 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so when the devil came after me with some temptations, I said, well, Jesus did this, so I'm going to do it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I still felt the temptation. I'm going to say it again. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Still felt the temptation. Said it again. Greater is he that is in me. And I'm like, listen to yourself. Than he who is in the world. God is greater. God is greater than the temptation. God is greater and he's stronger and he's in me so that I can be greater and I can be stronger than this temptation. So because God is inside of me, I don't have to say yes to this temptation because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And right there, there was a breakthrough. Scripture has a way of giving you breakthrough like nothing else in this world. 
the word of God. It says it is the sword of the spirit. It really, if you think about it, it's arming yourself. I don't know how many of you guys believe in protecting your family. Maybe you have guns, maybe you have knives, but not to get in a big political debate, but I own guns. And the reason I'm telling you this, not to, for you to get mad at me or for you to applaud me or whatever, it's simply to say this, that I believe that if somebody comes and tries to harm my family, I'm prepared. See, the Bible is God's way of arming us when the enemy comes after us. When the enemy comes after our family, the word of God is there to arm ourselves to keep us from harm. Number three is pursue your call. And I've got to end here. Pursue your call. And this is part of the, the practical side of things that really helped me develop and become spiritually mature with resisting temptation. Because there is a principle called flee and pursue in the Bible. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. It's a great scripture. It says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, say with me, instead, it says, instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. See, there's one thing about saying, hey, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give myself over to that. And yet, greater seed that is in you, you, you have the ability to resist that. But what I love about this principle, what I love about this truth, is that one of the biggest ways you're going to overcome temptation is by doing things that God wants you to be doing with your life because you're going to be so busy doing what's right, you won't have any time to do what's wrong. See, a lot of people continue to give themselves over to temptations even after they become followers of Jesus because they are not doing what God wants them to be doing with their life. They're not getting busy uh, doing the, the things that God wants us to be doing, ministering to the lost and, and giving uh, um, invitations to church and helping the, the, the less fortunate and the poor and the hurting and, and all of the, the things that God would have us do if we fully allowed him to use us. But when you're pursuing the things that are right, you don't have the energy or the time to run after the things that are wrong. And I like how it says youthful lusts. There are things when we're young that tempt us and pull us over and try to get to us because we don't know any better. It, it's, it's a craving or a desire of something that's forbidden, but when you're young and you haven't touched that thing enough times to know how hot that pot is that's on the stove, you're like, hey man, this time it's, gonna, it's not going to be the same. See, that's youthfulness. It's, it's just almost like you, know, you don't know any better. We say, hey, there are things that, that you're going to crave that are there to just pull you off course that are for immature people. But he says, the way out of this is not by going, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. The way to do this is say, I, I'm not even going to focus on what I'm not supposed to do. I'm going to focus on what I'm supposed to do. And by focusing on what I'm supposed to do, I'm not going to give myself over to this. Here, here's a probably not a great example, but... Uh, how many of you have frequented the Cheesecake Factory? All right. Okay. Now, how many of you, let's, let's be truthful here. How many of you go in there and you're like, it's a Cheesecake Factory. So you go in, you start looking at the cheesecakes right away. 
You're like, oh man, I'm getting this cheesecake. I've, ca- I've called this. And you're telling the people at your table, man, I'm, you know, so you guys know about me, key lime is my favorite. So I'm like, I, I call the key lime cheesecake, man. And that is mine. I'm not sharing with anybody. It's mine. And so, right, the, you know, you, you have this big idea. You're going to order the dessert and, and then you have to order the main entree because that's how we normally do it is we get the main entree and then we order the dessert. So the main entree comes at Cheesecake Factory and they give you so much food, right? And if that's not enough, they're giving you bread before the food comes. And so you're eating the bread, you're eating the food, and then the waitress, the server comes over and tells you, all right, who's ready for dessert? And you're like, I'm about ready to throw up on you. I can't, I know I was like, oh, like I'm, I'm getting that cheesecake before, but see, you're so full of the meal, you don't have any room for the dessert, which is not good for you, right? High in fat and calories, probably not the best for you. I don't know what you order for the main entree, but it's certainly probably more healthy than the dessert. And here's the point. When you fill your life up on the right stuff, you don't have any appetite or craving for the wrong stuff. And there are too many Christians that continue to give themselves to the wrong things because they are bored in their relationship with God. They're doing nothing of the things that God wants them to do. If you were to be honest with yourself and activate yourself and do the things that God tells us in Scripture to be able to do, then I'm I'm proposing to you that not that temptation is going to leave your life, but it's going to be so much easier. Resist the temptations because you're so infatuated with the way God is using you in a righteous living that you have no desire to do the sinful living. Does that make sense to you? So so find your calling. What is it? Pray and ask God to give it to you. Start class. We're going to kind of step into that conversation a little bit. But what is it that you're supposed to do? And follow the Spirit's leading. If you feel like you're supposed to go work with kids, go work with kids. If you feel like you're going to go and work with homeless people, go and work with homeless people. But here's a calling that all of us have. We've all been called to share our faith with other people. We've all been called to do that. So start there. Start with what you know you're called to do as a follower of Jesus. You're called to share your faith. And I and I know it's going to be like nerve-wracking and you're going to be like scared, like, oh, what are they going to do? Are they going to reject me? Are they going to call me, you know, a Bible thumper? What, you know, are they going to not want to get around me? Who knows? The people that I've shared Christ with, I, I've had the, those thought bubbles happen too. And after I shared my relationship with Christ with them, they actually came to church. One of them, I started talking to him at the gym about a relationship with God. He wanted to pray with me right there. See, just two minutes before that thought bubble was telling me, oh, dude, he's going to think you are cuckoo for a cocoa bus. He's going to get away. But man, he was going through something in his life. I didn't know. The Holy Spirit did. He said, share your faith to him. He started crying. I got to pray with him right there. There's a God story for you somewhere in your life this week. If you give yourself over to following that prompting, to follow that calling, then God wants to use you in incredible ways. And let me tell you one last thing. The more God stories you have, the more faith you're being built up inside of you, and the less likely you're going to give yourself over to the temptations that are going to pull you away from the flow of God in your life. 
Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.